Good morning, everyone. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chaf Vav in Maseches Rosh Hashanah. We started yesterday a new parak, Perik Ra'u Bezdin on Chaf Hei Amad Bez. We read the Mishnah. We'll start from the Gemara. The premise of the Mishnah was fascinating. Ra'u Bezdin, the whole idea of, right, we have Kiddush HaChodesh. We've already touched on the fact that Kiddush HaChodesh is something that Bezdin is... Um, determining ahead of time, right? Chazala determining it in order to align our Yantiv and Shabbos properly. However, when once we do the Bezdin, we are treating it, right, like real Adis uh, in certain ways. So when it comes to real Adis, if you saw, if you witnessed, let's say, a crime in Dine Nefashos, then that disqualifies you from being a Dayan. Because how are you supposed to be objective as a Dayan if you have the bias, right, of having seen the incident? So the question would be like this: Starting from Gemara Goranot and Chafei Mbeis, Lamali Lamisna Ra'u Bezin V'Chol Yisrael. Why does the Mishnah have to give a case where Bezin and all of and everybody saw the moon? The Gemara answered: Itzrich Saka Daita Chamina V'Ra'u Hoyel V'Ra'u Bezin V'Chol Yisrael. Ifarsim Allah, right? You might have thought that once Bezin, right? Because the moon is not like what witnessing a crime in a back alley. It's something that's out there up in the sky for everyone to see. So we're getting back to the idea of well. This is really not exactly Adis, but it kind of is. We treat it like Adis. We remember we have the Jisha Chakira. Our Mishnah itself has a case, and we'll discuss it in the Gemara, where they're having Jisha Chakira, and somehow, I mean, I don't know what happened, but somehow the, the deliberations went on too long, and they went into the nighttime. And we will see that at that point, the Chodesh has to be Me'ubar as a consequence of that. Well, that's, that seems... Wild, right? We all see this. We all see that it's the new moon. So again, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our, our mind around the fact that we really treat, we have this um, between 30 and 31 days, right? That deliberation, we have the leeway to really decide which one it is. And it can go, as we said, against the astronomical reality, right? So even though the entire nation saw the astronomical reality, if the deliberations didn't go in time, even then, then we could go, that would be, Right, either bemazed, baonus, or bataos. Right, whichever way it goes down, if it ends up being technically postponed, then even if it's for administrative reasons, we simply postpone the day. So, be that as it may, the idea, the havamina was, you might have thought that if everyone sees this in the sky, so it's just going to be rosh chodesh chasa. Right, it's going to be bismana veloli abrua, and we're not going to make a chodesh meubar kamash malan. No, the mission is informing us. No. That's an absolute requirement to have an official Kiddush uh, HaChodesh, and therefore, the month is going to be Me'ubar. Wow. But once we learn, says the Gemara, that everybody saw Bezim B'chal Yisrael, why do I have to say that the witnesses were interrogated? Well, what do you mean, why do I have to say? That, in other words, once, so why do I need to do the Chakira? So when I was learning this with Birnbaum, we thought like this. In other words, uh, a, a, a question. It's almost like ein hachinami. If we are going to all see it, why is the interrogation necessary? That's a very good question. In other words, I can understand that we can go through the formality of having Adim like play act and say we saw the moon and say, have the bez and say mekudish mekudish. But a real interrogation, as described already in the previous mishnah, seems unnes- seems a little bit excessive. If we're not if we're not really interrogating them over something that we don't know the answer to, so the Gemara Hakikamar Inami So this is an unexpected answer. The Gemara says that 
if the witnesses were nechkru, it's an amazing thing. In other words, if the court saw the new moon and didn't Mekadesh, or if the Edim were, for whatever reason, interrogated. In other words, it's in the second case, maybe there was not a situation where they saw the moon. That's what the Gemara is saying, right? In other words, the Meiri explains. In the first case, right, so you need to have both cases. In other words, the case where we all saw the moon, ain't hachinami. We're not going to interrogate. The Gemara is conceding. We're not going to interrogate them if we actually did all see the moon. We're going to take it easy on them. But there's all kinds of moons. Every month is a different scenario. There could be a scenario where the moon was not really visible and the Adam are coming, then we do interrogate them. That's all it means. That, and whatever is, it is that delays us, it does, whichever process is going to delay us, that's, good, that's going to be uh, we're going to be Ma'aber on account of that, right? My rabbi yesterday. Yeah. Where, where, where did they, uh, where is it from the Torah? How do we know you have to, you know, torture the Edom? Uh, well, you don't really have to torture them, but Hakir Sa'edim is in order to where establish their, their legitimacy. Where do we know this from? Well, you have to. Uh, uh, the the Rash Tabe Chakar Tayetev. It's a Pasuk. Right. In Chumash. Thank God for Barry. Okay. How do you know that we have to be Mekadosh Chodesh? Oh, we already learned that. Okay. Chodesh is Elohim. Okay, so it says, V'chema datana at shechashecha reizim u'bar. So the Gemara asks like this. Once we learned, uh, Okay, so again, there's two possible cases. The Gemara, Right, so that we already explained. So now the Gemara asks, okay, well, once Well, the question is like this. If, regardless of what happens, right, if, if it's true that you have two cases, and then regardless what happens, this is how the Meiri explains the Gemara, and regardless what happens, whether it's because we were delayed for whatever reason or because we did the Chakira of the Edim, regardless, it's going to be Me'ubar. So why do we have to have two cases? Just say that whatever, ha- whatever caused it, uh, should, we're going to make the Chodesh Me'aber, regardless of the cause. In other words, the more common cause is that we did the Chakira of Edim because we didn't see the moon. But once you already know that, it, that it, we're going to be Me'aber the Chodesh, even in a case where the moon was visible to all, so then that's the bigger Chiddush. Then of course you're going to be Ma'abar L'Chodesh in a case where nobody saw the moon and you were delayed in the Chakir of the Edim. The Gemara explained, it's Drich. Tzakadai techamina tehave Chakir's Edim betchilas din umekudosh mekudosh kidmar din ilikadshe belayla. What's the Tzakadai techamina? You would have thought like this. I'll say it outside first. When it comes to Dine Mamanus, we know Bezdin really is a, it's like banker's hours. Bezdin really is supposed to be only a daytime job. You're not supposed to adjourn at nighttime. Oh. Now that becomes a little tricky when it comes to Kiddush HaChodesh because the moon is visible at night, typically. However, we try to catch it, right, when we're still seeing it in the evening. As Barry always says, you can still see it during technically daylight hours. You don't have to wait till Shkia. You can still see it. It trails the sun, so to speak, somewhat. And so you do have like a short-ish window, right, at limited... Yeah, at night I see it sometimes. You sometimes see it a little during the day. There's a limited window there, fine. The truth is, you can see it the night before and then adjourn the next, right, on, on the 30th, right, during the day. But here we're talking about where nobody saw it, and then now it's getting close up to the end of the 30th, and now you're, now you're running out of time. So the Havamina is like this. When you have... Something. Yeah. Isn't it every month the same? 
No, that's a great question, but the answer is no. What we've been discussing is that some months it's chaser, some months it's malay. On average, it's half and half. What does it mean? It's not consistent? It's not consistent. No, the, 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 that's a great question. Why wouldn't it be consistent? No, but that's what we said. That's what we said in the Gemara. Fishkind knows, but that's what we said in the Gemara. The sun, you, can, you know that it's always 24 hours in a day. Right, but or but 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 when it comes to the moon, it's it's said the Gemara, it's inconsistent. So the uh, it's within a range, okay. And the Gemara even said what the average was. We'll we'll, we'll discuss uh, a little further. Um, but the point is like this, and really this is the last day that we're talking about the moon. After today, we switch into shofar, and that's going to take us to the rest of the uh, rest of the thing. So. Um, it's good. So we're going to savor these these moon questions. But be that as it may, like this: um, the makudish makudish. When it comes to the dine mamanus, if you start a case during the day, so then and the case happens to drag, so it depends on when you started the case. When it comes to dine mamanus, if the case drags into the evening, the judges stay until they finish the job, and no. then they could still make the uh, judgment in the evening. They stay until the case is finished. They don't, they don't break and then start the next day. I suppose they could, but if they continued the case, they could, in fact, make the judgment on the end of the day. It's like when they say uh, meals, right? Like if you start a meal on Shabbos, let's, we'll call it Shabbos, Sashal Shudas, it goes into what you would call Motzei Shabbos, but you haven't davened right Mariv yet, then whenever you started the meal, you continue the Suda, right? And we have that, a lot of halachic implications of that. So that's what the Bezdin would be doing by Mominus. The Chiddush here is that that's not the case with Kiddush HaChodesh. Kiddush HaChodesh goes by the Gemardin. The Gemardin cannot happen at nightfall, as we'll see. So that's what the Gemara here says. That's why we need the two cases, because, excuse me, you might have thought that when you do the Chakiris Edim, that you go by Tchilas Din, and then when you say that's the Gemardin, and if that is in fact how you view it, then you should be able to Makadish after nightfall. How? That's the way it, we work it with Dine Mamanus, as we learned in the Mishnah, that's not in the Mishnah, it's in Hedrin. Dine Mamanus done in Biyom, Begomen Belayla. That's what you do with Dine Mamanus. You start in the day, you finish at, light, at night. Even if the case continues, you finish at night. Here too, you might think that with regards to Kedesh HaKadosh, once you started during daytime, you could actually finish and then say Mekudosh Mekudosh during the nighttime and therefore you have no problem. Kamash Malan, the Mishnah therefore comes to teach us that that's not the case, that you have to start and finish before nightfall. I says the Gemar, Ve'ema wait a minute, that's a good idea. Why don't we make that comparison and actually treat it like Dina Mamanus and then we wouldn't have this problem. We'd be able to be Mekudosh Mekudosh at night. The Gemar says, no, that's a Pasuk. Amar Kra, Pasuk says, Ki Chok L'Yisrael Hu, Mishpat Yaakov. Right? This is the uh, this is the chok and the mishpat. The pasuk equates a chok to a mishpat. Chok and mishpat are two different things. This is the pasuk in, right, uh, talking about the the uh, kiddush hachodesh pasuk in Tehillim, right? And emat havi chok bigmar. What is the chok bigmar din? In other words, when you have a deliberation, you have a court case. So the mishpat is the Beit mishpat, right? That's the that's the courtroom. That's when you're doing the deliberation. The chok is once you've done the psak, right? Once you, the judge gives his ruling, you respect the call, right? You respect his ruling like a chok, right? You respect it as if it's something, 
it, it, it's done, right? There's nothing to talk about anymore. Oh. So when is the chok bit gemardin? And yet, the, the Torah called the chok a mishpat, right? It said chok lisrael mishpat lelogi Yaakov. So, what's a chok and a mishpat? What's the comparison? Says the Gemara. Ma mishpat bayom, nami bayom. Just like deliberations in a courtroom always have to take place during the day, here too, even the chok portion, which is the gemardin, is going to have to take place during the day. Five. So now five lines up from the wide lines in the two dots. The fascinating idea of what do you do if only Bezdin saw it. So the first case is like this. Whatever, whatever the case may be, right? We don't, I don't know why. Everyone else is in, is in a bunker. It's, uh, right, uh, to use a, uh, I don't know, like um, everyone's inside. It's Thanksgiving, right? Ah, Tafiomi coincidence. Okay, uh, everyone, everyone's in the house. Uh, it's almost Thanksgiving. Okay, Va'amai. Oh, by the way, today uh, there's a lot of talk of Kabbalah Satora, I believe, and last cycle it was it was uh, Shavuos. So we're we're beating that. It's like we're like uh, 500 blot in. So we're beating them 500 to one. But they, they get it. They get us on this one. They, they, they had the definite coincidence last cycle. Anyway. In other words, like this. What's the case? Let, let's, let's recalibrate ourselves. The Bezdin is sitting around. They're the only ones that happen to be the, they, they happen to be the only ones that saw the moon. Let's say there's a whole bunch of the Sanhedrin, right? Whatever it is, 71 people are there. And two of them see, and they all see it together. So two of them, can in fact become Adim, and they testify in front of the rest of the Bezin. Fine. So the Gemara, why do they have to serve as witnesses? You have the whole court there seeing it. So this is the same question we've been sort of like circling back to each time. We know this concept of the concept of when you see something, it's even more impressive than when you hear it. So shouldn't a judge who sees a case be uh, able to judge that it is in fact Rosh Chodesha? The Gemara answers, I'm a Rabbi Zera, Not the, I would have expected a different answer. I would have expected an answer of, well, it has to be, have the formality of a court case. And a judge can't be, right, uh, it can't just judge based on what he saw. He has to judge based on testimony. That's not what the Rabbi Zera says. Rabbi Zera says that what? That the judges saw it at night, and when they see it at night, Bezdin is supposed, is no longer allowed to paskin. At night, they're not supposed to be adjourned. Uh, Tosfos here, Kigon Shorubalayla, spells it out a little bit more. In other words, like this, that, that, that the Re'iya Belayla is like the Kabbalah's Edus. And the Kabbalah's Edus has to happen during the day, right? In other words, when the Re'iya's Belayla, remember, even if you didn't have to have the, that's the point of the Gemara here, that even if you didn't have to have the formality, we're not up to that yet. Even if you did not have to have the formality of the Edim, you still would have a problem because this is an, the actual Edus of these Dayanim, even if were they allowed to judge based upon that Edus, took place at night. So by definition, the Kabbalah Edus would thus take place at night and Kabbalah Edus is only supposed to take place during the day. All right, That's the answer of Reb Okay, the next case in the Mishnah was, says the Gemara, So now the Bezdin was a smaller Bezdin. It's not the great Sanhedrin, or maybe they are members of the great Sanhedrin, they would have to be, because only the great Sanhedrin could be Makadosh the Chodesh, but only three of them, right, saw the moon. 
and they're the only ones around for whatever reason at the time, right? I guess everybody else went home, right? Because it is, after all, after hours. So, yam dushnaim, v'yoshivu mechavreim etzol yachid. Well, no, so they need to bring two other judges. They can't just stand in front of one of their friends. If there's three guys and only three of them saw the moon, then two of those who saw the moon should stand up and testify. They paid them uh, overtime in the old days. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, you'd think. So then they st- the two stood. And then they have one guy left who saw the moon. He's going to sit and remain as a single judge. And they bring two more judges. And they just make a regular right, three-person Bezdin, and of which two of the judges that were previously, right, who were previously judges, turn into Edim, and you do the Edus that way. Ask the Mar, am I, why do I need this procedure? Hachanami, name Maria. Don't forget, we still haven't answered that question of, right, in the case of Rabbi Zera, he said that the whole Re'iyah was at night. Now, in the second case over here, we have the same question, right, it, the, the, the implication is that it would be redundant if it was at night, if, the, if, if you're going to have the same answer as Rosera, right? Because then it doesn't matter what the case is. If you saw it at night, you'd have the same problem, the Aedis being Belayla. So let's see. <coughs> so we get back to our original question of, if they saw it, why should it, right? Why can't they be, <coughs> how could they um, have to, why would they have to uh, adjudicate like it's a regular court case? Right, as the Gemara says, Hachanami, Neima, Lote, Shmiya, Says the Gemara, and if you're going to give me the answer of Rabbi Zera that they saw it at night, then it's the same case. We have the same problem. We're not learning anything new. So the Gemara answers as follows: Sefer Itzrichle. We need the second case to teach you a detail of this kind of judgment by Rosh Chodesh, which is that unlike again a difference between Dine Mamanus. The first difference we said earlier by Dine Mamanus, just to review was that you, you can go into the night and as long as it started during the day, you can continue. The second thing we're learning now is, by dinimamunus, typically you need to have a three-person bezdin, but if you have a real, real mumcha, then a single judge can actually adjudicate the case. That is not the case. Ironically, I guess you could say, or maybe not, but ironically, but you need more formality for the Kiddush HaKodesh, as follows. Says the Gemara. That typically, you need three, but if you have a real expert, then even one person could judge it. You think the same thing for Kiddush HaKadosh, that one single judge could do it? No. For Kiddush HaKadosh, we need the three judges. Oh, and that's why we need the second case. Now, Says the Gemara here too. This is a good. Why don't we compare it to Dina Mominus? After all, the Gemara says no. Because we have a precedent. What's happening here? What's happening now is we're explaining why you need three judges for Kiddush Hakodesh. Because the original judge of Kiddush Hakodesh was none other than Moshe Rabbeinu, and he was the greatest of all judges, and he himself could not adjudicate that himself. And therefore, even though by Dina Mominus. He was able to, and by Dina Mamanus, if you have a real mumcha, a single judge can judge. Here, and Hashem said to him, that you cannot be Mekadosh without Aaron with you. The first mitzvah is Hachodesh Hazelachem, and you see, El Moshe El Aaron. He needed Aaron with him. Now you say, well, that's only two. Maybe you could do it with two judges. The answer is you can never have an even number of judges. 
So once you have two, say the Mefarshim, you need to have three. And so if Moshe needs accompaniment, certainly any other judge would need accompaniment. And so the minimum, minimum number of judges you would need would be three. Okay? Right, who was the third judge then? Good question. Uh, Yeshua? I don't know, that's a good question. Okay. Nadav, I don't know. Uh, it, 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 you know, there are aspects of this that are not, can you have two brothers judge? It's interesting. Okay. We, I can't wait to get to Sanhedrin. We're going to have so much fun. Okay. Speaking of which, let's ask the following Sanhedrin-themed question on the last line of Chafayim and Beis, because I figure 602 is a perfect time to get to to Chavav. It says like this, the Mamer, the Eid Nas Are you going to say that an Eid can become a Dayan? Right? This whole, all of these cases are predicated on you have Eidim and they become Dayanim. You have a Dayanim and they're turning themselves into Eidim. Can you really do that? Lehman must listen to Lobu Kiba. If that's in fact the case, then we must be, our Mishnah must be connected to Rabbi Kiba, the Tanya, because we learned it in Brayas. The case that we started with explaining in our intro that you, a, a, a member of the court sees somebody kill somebody else in cold blood. Says the Gemara, as we continue, Rabbi Tarfan says, yeah, that a whole bunch of Sanhedrin, they're walking home, they see a murder, there's like 71 of them or whatever, so they say, okay, you guys be the Edim, we'll be the judges, let's make this quick. That's Rabbi Tarfan. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Kula Nasan Edim, Ve'in Wow. Once you see it, you are disqualified from being a judge because you can no longer make a biased, uh, right, an unbiased judicial decision. And therefore, yes, of course, they could all testify because they saw it, but none of them can, can any longer be the judge. Says the Gemara, now, Yes, that's with regards to Dine Nefashos. Right there, you need to have the, the complete lack of bias. Saying a slightly different reason that those who are judging should be, have the idea of Hatzalah, right? Should have the concept of innocent until proven guilty, looking for every possible angle to be, right, exonerated. Once you see somebody murder somebody else in cold blood, you're going to have a hard time being Melamed uh, Schus for that person, and that is what disqualifies you as a Dayan. But here there's no such bias with regards to the moon. And therefore, even Rabbi Kiva would agree that an aide can become a Dayan. And therefore, this idea of our Mishnah, even though it's counter uh, to what our sensibility is with regards to what normally we assume aid Nasa Dayan and judges and witnesses changing places, it's because it's the moon. And it's not such a big deal to exonerate the moon. Uh, the bias becomes less of an issue. So now we're at the Mishnah, finally, at the towards the top of Chavav. And from here, all the way to the end, Goranowitz, we're going to bring you to the topic of Shofaros. In shofaris? Are you kidding? Ritsui. The shofar is, uh, it reminds us of the Akeda and the, and, right, and the Messir Snefesh and the sound of our souls screaming to Hashem. But let's see. Is it, is it because the noise was so great? Um, there's a lot of, a lot of illusions in the shofar. The Sajagon, I think, in the uh, Art Scroll has like 13 different symbolisms. It's a, there's a lot there. We're going to be talking shofaris all the way till the end of the Sechta. So hopefully we will touch on some of the symbolism as well. So here we go. Says the Mishnah, call shofaros kasherim. You can use any kind of shofar. What does it mean, call shofaros? Well, any kind of like horn, we'll see. Chutz Michel par, any kind of horn except for that of a cow in Pnei Karen, because the cow is called the Karen. As Rashi explains, in other words, all the other ones are called shofar, as the Gemara will see, and Karen, but 
in other words, the, this is called, we'll see, is specifically called a Karen. And therefore, it can't be used as a shofar. That was what the Mishnah said. It says, any shofar, any horn of an animal is called a Karen. When you draw out the Karen Hayovel, what's the Karen Hayovel? So Rashi points out, you'll see. You see what this Pasuk means, but what a Pasuk shot is, when you hear the sound, right, when you, when you draw out the blast of the Yovel, when you hear the sound of the shofar, that's the, that's the Hemshech of the Pasuk. That's what he's trying to say. This is the Pasuk in Yeshua, that when you call out the Karen of the Yovel, the Hemshech of the Pasuk says, you'll hear the call of the shofar. So it sounds like anything that's a shofar could be a Karen. Those two things are equated. So says the Gemara. No. So, so that, that's the end of the Mishnah. So then, now the Gemara is going to say like this. That sounded like a good, that's like a good uh, raya. Shapir Kama Rabbi Right? In other words, that was a really good point. The Pasuk literally equates a Karen to a shofar. So how are you going to say that a, a para is a Karen not and not a shofar? Verabanan. What are the Rabbanan going to say? So the Gemara answers, call Shafar, Sikur, Shofar, Vikur, Karen. So this is what we were saying before. Every shofar is called a shofar and a karen. The para, karen, ikri, shofar, ikri. But if you look, when it comes to the para itself, it's called uh, karen only, and it's not called a shofar. Dixiv, bechor, sharo, hadar, lo, vikarnei, reim, karnav. In, uh, at the end, is also bracha. Um, when we're talking about the tribe of Yosef, right, we're saying bechor, sharo, right, is evikarnei, reim. So there, it's exclusively using the concept of Karen to assure, which is a par. That's the point. And therefore, the par and shore, by the way, are the same thing. You may not have known this. A shore and a par are the same animal, but at different stages in their life. A a, it's a bull, but it's an ox and a bull is also essentially the same thing. It's just the first three years, it's called a shore, an ox. And then when it grows and it's bigger, it's called a par, a bull. Do you know that, that an ox and a bull are the same thing? That's what it, that's how, that's a... What's a ram? The more you know. A ram is a ram. Well, All right, so, so... No, a ram is a goat. A ram, oh, is a ram a goat? What's mutton? Oh, we got to talk, we got to ask Dr. Kelman. We're, we're going to get into that. We're going to get a little bit into that now. What's a ram? Barry, what is a ram? You ever hear of a ram? Did you ever, ever hear of a... Yeah, we have to Google ram. Okay, we're going to get into it. I'll let you know what a ram is. You got to... Like Oh my God! Listen to you. All right. Okay. Rabbi Amar Lach, the Paranami Ikur Shofar. Wait a minute. Rabbi would say, "What are you talking about?" So you're saying that a, that a, a para is only called a, a, a Karen? No. It sometimes it's also called a Shofar. par. What's going on here? I'm going to praise Hashem. This is to Hillim, and I will magnify it with thanksgiving, more pleasing than a Shor par. The Gemara asks, "Watch this." Says Rabbi Yossi, Im shor, lama par. Well, if, as we said, a shor is a par. So once you're saying shor, why do you need to say par? Beam par, lama shor. Okay, we get it. Elamai shor par, shofar. We <laughs> shofar. So we see that even though it's a shor or a par, it's not only referred to as a karen, but once you say shor par, it sounds like shofar. Okay. Verabanan kiderev masna, dama of masna, my shor far, shu gadol kapar. Yeah. Rabbi Yossi had this limud that shofar sounds like shofar. But the Rabbanon had a different limud. Rabbi held that the shofar means that an ox that's fully grown as a bull 
is a titavla Hashem, like a really big ox, otherwise known as a bull, okay? And therefore, they don't need this idea of Rabbi Yossi. Fine. So now in the middle of the page, we're going to get into a bunch of different possibilities of the Rabbanon. So they say like Rav Chista. Why? Right? So a different second reason why we don't want to use the Karen of a par as a shofar. Right? We want a ram's horn, as Goranowitz says. Why? Because after all, before you have a, a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, before you have a uh, bull, you have an ox. And before you have an ox, you have a calf. And guess what? The golden calf is a bad, is a bad look because it was a big Avera and it was gold and it was a calf. And therefore, both gold and calf should be kept out of this Rosh Hashanah procedure because it's a concept of Ein Kategor Nasa Sanegor. That which was a bad time for us, technically it means that the right uh, prosecutor should not become the defendant, which means to say, don't bring whatever sins and troubles you have to the court case where you're trying to defend yourself because it's a bad form. I But really, we keep everything that has to do with a calf or a cow or a or an ox or a bull outside of the base of Mikdash? What about the bull uh, offerings, right? What about the dam that we discussed in Old Masechus Yuma? It says the Gemara, Holve Ishtani Ishtani. Yeah, by that point, it's in blood form. It does not reminisce of the golden calf. Okay, Okay, so so what about the gold? You have the Aron, the Kaparis, the Kruvim, they're all made out of gold, and therefore it should be in Kategor, Nasus, and Negar. Gemara answers, No, we say... An interesting thing. Only a sinner shouldn't bring it. But this is not, uh, shouldn't bring that item when he sinned. That's a fascinating idea. Of Ein Kategor Sanegar. There is a little bit of overlap between Ein Kategor Sanegar and Mitzvah Baba Avera. There's some similarities in those ideas. That you're not supposed to bring when you're sinning, right? Um, and you're trying to defend yourself that which you sinned with. Or when you're doing a mitzvah, in the case of Mitzvah Baba Avera, you're not supposed to bring that thing which was the cause of your Avera, as we've already discussed by Lula Vagazel, that, that right, the, the, the way that you got it was via Avera. Well, in the case of the Aaron Kaparis and the Kruvim, there's no sin, there's no actual, uh, real, necessarily, atonement going on, and therefore, we're less worried about having gold. It's not like you can't have gold any time ever in your life because of there was once a golden calf. It's just you can't have gold in a, in a situation of Ritzui, right, in a situation where you're trying to Get atonement. But we know that the ladle and the fire pan, we learned Mesechus Yuma, those are brought in the Kaddish Kaddashim and Yom Kippur and we're trying to get Kapara and they are in fact made out of gold. Right. That just means that a sinner should not adorn himself. He shouldn't adorn himself with the gold, right? As Rashi says, right? That, that we're not supposed to like adorn yourself with these gold, but this is not adorning yourself. These these uh, cups and 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 uh, and spoons are just pragmatic things that you're using. Hey, but you shouldn't be covered in gold. Well, wait, but the, the chauffeur isn't covered in gold. So let's see. First of all, big days of First of all, you are adorned in gold. The coin gadol and yom kippur is switching out of the big days of to the big day loving all the time. So when he's outside of right. 
um, when he's outside of the Kaddish Kaddashim, he is in fact adorned in gold. Says the Gemara, coming in. Right, but outside he's doing other stuff. We're just talking about, it's really a bad look when you're in the courtroom itself, which we'll say is the Kaddish Kaddashim. That's when it's really bad. Okay. So to that extent, shofar nami b'vachutzu. You're not blowing shofar in the Kaddish Kaddashim. That's the Gemara. You're blowing shofar outside. So once you're blowing shofar outside, it could be of a par, it could be made of gold. What should any of that matter? Says the Gemara, came under the Zikaran who kibifnim dummy. Ah, the Gerano, it's Muslim moment. That moment of blowing shofar is such a sublime moment of, of sincere tshuva that it's as if you're in the Kaddish HaKadashim. Oi. Oi. And therefore, it is the shofar itself that inherently cannot be made out of something that would either be reminiscent of gold or, uh, or of a par. It's going to get confusing because you can have, it turns out, some gold on the shofar, but, uh, but be that as it may, you're bringing out the horn, it's made out of a horn, obviously, and it should not be a horn of a, the horn of a calf. So when, now, you, when you blow it, what are you supposed to think in your brain? Uh, we're going to get, we're hopefully going to get to that, but it's true. It's like you have to really think uh, of the Messias Nefesh Vakarsh Baruch and Shuva. It's supposed to wake you up, Garano. It's like a T-Mobile. Okay. Right. So now the Gemara says, me. Uh, right. So the Gemara now asks, um, okay, what, but here's what happened in our Mishnah. Says the, our Mishnah, Vatanami Pneshu Karen Kamar. Now, here, here's the question about Ula. The, the question is like this. We're saying now that it's because of Enkatego Nasasanegar. But that's not what our Mishnah said. In our very Mishnah, it says, Mipneshu Karen. Right? The, the reason is because it's a Karen. Not because, right, and therefore it's disqualified. Not because of Enkatego Nasasanegar. The Gemara answers, Chadava Od Kamar. It's one of those classic cases where it's telling you a multiple a multiplicity of reasons. Right? It's really two reasons. And also it can't be a Karen. Okay, a third reason now. Why did the rabbis not want the cow horn? Okay. Wait a minute. So again, Rabbi Yossi is going to have to respond. Uh, I may have misrepresented that. Rabbi Yossi has to handle Enkatego Nasusanego. So what's this going to answer going to be? Right? The Rabbanan are going to have two reasons why, again, just to review, the Rabbanan have two reasons why you can't use the power of the, of the, the, uh, short, um, of the Karen for a shofar. Because Enkatego Nasusanego and because it can't be a Karen. Rabbiosi, we had an answer for the Karen. What is he going to answer to Enkatego Nasusanego? Okay. We're back realigned. Says the Gemara, the Ka'amras Enkatego Nasusanego, Hanimim Bifnim, Vai Shofar Mubachutsu. He's going to say that no, that this question of the fact that the shofar is mibuchutz is the reason why ain't katego nasusanegar does not apply to shofar. I have the commerce mipneshu karen that he already answered. Kol shofar nami ikru karen. He holds like that pasuk that all the shofars are called karen. Now we're seven lines up uh, on the midside lines, and the, and and now we have the issue of abaye. Another reason for the for the disqualification of the rabbanu. Abaye amar haini time of the rabbanu shofar amar rachmana. Aha. That the shofar has a funny way of growing in a cow. That when it comes to a regular, right, shofar like in a ram, let's say, it's just one growth that comes out of its head. But when it comes to a bull, right, it grows, or, or par, it grows like in, in concentric circles sort of out of the head. It's like glida, like one inside another, inside another. Right, right. The para came in the kai gilde gilde. Right, individual shells 
on top of each other. So it's not anatomically like a shofar. Therefore, and therefore, it's no good. Says the Gemara, Wait a minute. And now we're going to go back to what we said before. Our Mishnah had said that the reason why it's not good is because of Karen. So here too, we're going to say, a multiplicity of reasons. First of all, it's because you need the re- all. So now we have three reasons why you can't use right the uh, the shofar of a par. One is because it grows in like twos and threes. And before we said negar, and here we're going to say also because of the fact that it has to be a karen. So with all this multiplicity of reasons, how did Rabbi Yossi allow it? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yossi, Amar like this. How is he going to answer that, Taina, that it has to be just one and not three? Right, they're connected. And therefore, it is one shofar. It looks a little different, like a Chaluli, uh, uh art, art piece. Fine. But it doesn't mean that it's not one shofar. So that we're going to answer again, as we answered before. Good. So now... Two lines up from the wide, the Gemara asks, Right, before we said that, and Rashi had pointed out, that when we say Yovel, remember we quoted that Pasuk, and we said that Yovel is like a ram, right? It says, Right? So, um, so that made it sound, and using that Pasuk, Rabbi Yossi had pointed out that the Karen, the Hemshech of the Pasuk, told you that a Karen was a chauffeur. But be that as it may, how do we know that Yovel, the, when it says Karen, it means a ram, okay? Or Dichra the Yuvla, okay? So what, what, what does it mean? So says the Gemara, the Tanya, I'm a Rebbe Kiva. So now we're going to learn about the travels of Rebbe Kiva. He was quite the traveler. And we're going to have a whole section spilling onto Ahmed Bey's of wildly, I mean, how this works, I don't know, but Aramaic and African and Arabic words that give Pshat that the Tanaim learned from them how to understand Psukim. Amazing. So that in itself has to be analyzed, right, by scholars. But here, let's just, uh, let's just at least read what it says. I'm a Rabbi Kiva, I was in the Arabian Nights, and are you currently Dichra Yuvla? They would call a chauffeur, uh, a ram, a Yuvla. So that's, that's what the Pazak means. Amazing. I'm a Rabbi Kiva, Shalachti la Galia. Yeah, Gaul, exactly. There in Gaul, they would call Anida. Now we're just talking linguistic etymology here. Why would they call Anida Galmuda? My Galmuda? Gmula da, mi bala. That sounds a little bit more like Aramaic almost, right? She is separated from her husband. And the Amarabi Kiva, he's a world traveler. Look at his passport was just like, it had all these stamps on it. Shalachti la Afriki, where do you think that is? I would guess so as well. They would call a Ma'a, which is a a, a denomination of money, they would call it a keshita. Lemayinafkamina. Who cares what they call the denomination of money? The farushay meakshita doraisa meadanki. So that you know that when, when the Torah says meakshita, it's referring to meadanki. Where does the word, where in the world would it say meakshita? That's like, where's a pasuk like in Amos, right? No, it's in, it's in Sefer Bracious. It says, it says uh, when, when Yaakov buys from Shechem, but meakshita. Okay, look it up. Five lines up from the bottom. Okay. I'm a Rebbe. More of this. I went to the maritime cities. Maybe it's in Venice. Who knows where he was? They would call selling, they would call commerce Kira. Who cares? 
When a person says, uh, that which I was karis for myself, he means I bought it. Okay. That too is a Pasuk in Breshis. Oh, that's important. Okay. Right. Um, that's where, that's where Yaakov wants to be buried. Wow. Okay. So, so again, what, we're learning Psukim from somewhere in, in, in the Karche Ayam? Okay. Amar Rishimun ben Lakish. I have a feeling Rabbi Gross is going to speak about this. I'll share what he has to say. Amar Rishimun ben Lakish. Where is Khan Nisharia? Sounds really nice. Sounds like a, that's like a Nesher is an eagle, like an eagle's nest. It's an eagle's nest. There they would call a bride a ninfi, says the Rabbeinu Hananel, from the Greek word nymph. They would call a kala a nymph. That we're familiar with. They would call a, ch- a rooster a sechvi. What's going on here? Lakala ninfi, mikra, yefei nof, misos kolarets. Where yefei nof, we usually think it's a beautiful view. It's a pasuket to hillim. But yefei nof sounds a little bit like nymph, and therefore the kala is called a nymph. Okay. Lotarnagol sechvi, the rooster is sechvi, amar biyud, amar ravi, bais, amar bishub, and levi, mikra, mi shas betuchos chachma, mi nasan sechvi bina. This is a pasuket in Eov. Right, who gave the smooth ones wisdom and the sechvi understanding? They believe that the wisdom came from the kidneys. Right, sometimes you understand something so well you can feel it in your kishkas or your kidneys. The sechvi bina is a tarnagol. Okay, fine. So Levi, Asra. once Levi went to a certain place, also Gavla Kameim, somebody came before him and Amalai, and he said to him the following incident this is a story. We have a couple of minutes, and we're on Chavavam Beis. Let's see. Kavan Planya. Somebody was Kavan me. That sounds like really bad. Levi didn't know what that meant, and he didn't want to know. Lova Yodi Mai Kamarle. He didn't know what that meant. Asa Shoyal Bismedrisha. Later, Levi goes into Beis Medrish, and Amrle Gazlan Amrlach. He was telling you that somebody robbed him. The Pasuk in Malachi. A whole Shaila, how Levi didn't know the Pasuk in Malachi. It's possible he had learned some, he, he had forgotten some of his learning at some point. Maybe that's one shot. Or maybe he just didn't know that that's what that, pasuk, that guy meant, right? That's what I would have said. Anyway. Had I been there, I could have figured it out. Okay, okay, we get you, Robert, from Barnish. How? You could ask. If a guy tells you Kavali, you don't know what that even means. So you say, well, how did he cover you? With what did he cover you? And why did he cover you? And then, like in context, you'll know the answer. Yeah, but Levi didn't want to do this because he says Kavali. He's like coming out of the, right? He's stumbling out of the uh, club and he says Kavali. He doesn't want to know, right? He says maybe he's just telling some stories of things having to do with unsavory behavior and that's not interesting to him. So that's it. Um, just more idea of terms. What does the word Sirugin mean? So we're going to say that one day, there was the Amta de Bey Rebbe, the maidservants of Rebbe's household were very well versed in these things, and they were able to tell you what these things mean. So maybe we'll pick up uh, with that tomorrow, right before the Mishnah, the different uh, terms from Bey Rebbe, and then we'll discuss further on tomorrow the types of shofar can, that can be used in Rosh Hashanah.